Hi, and welcome to The Grove Podcast. I'm Matt Battiali, your host. In these episodes, we try and bring you companies and people and discussions that we at Mangrove Investor feel are important. These are the parts of the business world that maybe you don't see every day. So we try and highlight nonprofits, private companies, and even some public companies and show you the good that they're doing. So sit back and enjoy this episode. And thanks very much for listening. My guest today is Joy Huntington. She's the founder and CEO of Ukukti Consulting. And her company stands between kind of the rural Alaskan communities and the industries that want to come and work there. What Joy does is she builds a bridge. She understands these communities. She grew up there. And she understands the the uh, kind of the the need for these economic development opportunities. And so she's able to connect the industries that want to come work in rural Alaska with the community so that the folks that live there can be employed and that the companies can contribute to the community while they're there. And I, I have a lot of time for Joy. She's great, as you'll see in the interview. I mean, we, we talked for so long. We're going to make this thing a two-parter. So I really hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed recording. And I just think the world of Joy, she's fantastic. She's somebody we need to keep our eye on. I wouldn't be surprised if she became the governor of Alaska. <laughs> and with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. So, hey, Joy, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome, Matt. It's great to talk, talk with you. Well, I, you know, I really enjoyed meeting you up, up in Alaska and uh, getting to know you and a little bit about your consulting company. And I really want to start with... Um, just an, an introduction. So uh, I want to share some of your background and, and how you started. And I want you to pronounce, it's Ukukti, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Wow. Great job, Matt. I feel like <laughs> not many people get it right on basically the first or second try. So <laughs> well, you I have it phonetically. That I still had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, having it phonetically on the website definitely helps. But uh, like I said, I've had people working for me for a few months before they got it right. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so my business, Ukutti Consulting, uh, spelled U-Q-A-Q-T-I, um, I've had the business, actually, this is my 10th year in operation, which completely blows me away. I <laughs> mean, um, the funny thing is that I, I didn't really start this business on purpose. It was sort of, um, you know, an, an opportunity that came up that a company that I wanted to work for uh, with, a, with a real job <laughs> asked me to work as a contractor, um, being a state lobbyist for them. And so that's how the business got started back in 2011. And even then, it was really focused on building meaningful, long-term relationships for my clients. And that's something that I that I really feel like has been the theme over the last years is the last ten years is not just you know conducting meetings and laying out communication strategies, but really every effort is an attempt to build long-term, meaningful relationships between communities and projects between, you know, tribes and the state government. Um, it's really in, in Alaska, I think, really has an emphasis on relationships to begin with. You know, we're a pretty small population. And mm -hmm. so um, that's really been the kind of the heart and soul of my company from the very beginning has been focusing on, on relationships. And I know I jumped right into the business. I didn't really share a lot about my background yet. 
Um, but I, I can jump into that if, if you would like me to, or do you, is there anything else you want me to cover on Ukakti before we come back to that a little bit later? Well, I think the, I think the story of how you got your name is really cool. And I, and I think we yeah. ought to, we ought to, so, and, and can you encapsulate kind of the kind of consulting, who do you work for and who do you work with? Yeah. Yeah. So, so while maybe I'll share that kind of genesis of, you know, my clientele and what I do, and then I'll, I'll share the name of the business. Cause I actually didn't start the business as Ukutsi Consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the name. It's, it's sort of cool because I got the name while I was doing my, my work. And that kind of fit really well with, with where I operate in the state and the goals that I had and the work that I do. The name actually really does um, reflect so many, so many layers. And yeah. so I'll come back to the name. Um, but, but the first contract that I had back in 2011 was for the tribes. And so in Alaska, of course, we have uh, 200, over 200 federally recognized tribes. And we also have village corporations. Um, and there's so there's a really complex and interesting dynamic here in the state, politically, economically, um, socially, that our Alaska Native um, communities are kind of, you know, there's sort of this web of, of different, um, you know, entities and uh, government, government um, entities, as well as private sector. Right. Um, but my first client was uh, an organization that represented 40 tribes here in the interior of Alaska where I live in Fairbanks and I was going to Juneau on their behalf to to lobby for rural projects and along the way though I you know started working pretty closely with the governor's office and they had a project that was actually um, a proposed road that would open up a mining district and the, right out of the gate, the state was experiencing, you know, challenges with, you know, building credibility and building, you know, communication avenues with the, the rural communities that would be uh, closest to the project. Mm-hmm. And so they got to know me and my work coming to Juneau. And then they asked if I would actually um, work for them and go, you know, kind of lead their communications effort out in the communities closest to this project. And so that project really did change, uh, changed a lot of things. It put me in a really visible position, uh, advocating for, you know, responsible resource development and building bridges between communities and a pretty high profile controversial project. And it was, it was amazing. It was a huge challenge for me. Um, but I grew a lot through that. And that kind of put me on the map as somebody that could effectively lead community relations efforts, communications efforts uh, for economic development and resource development projects out in rural Alaska. And from there, it kind of opened up a floodgate of (laughs) opportunities across the state that, you know, people really need quality communications support when it comes to these challenging, you know, projects that um, there's a lot of you know, there's a, a lot to share with people, but if you can't really get in the door and you don't have the credibility in those rural communities to, you know, get an audience with, with the people you need to talk to, then it's really difficult to get off to a good start um, and to build those long-term relationships. And so, you know, my background, I actually live, I'm, so of course I'm Alaska Native, I'm Koyakon Athabaskan. 
And my grandparents are from the kind of middle Yukon River area here mm-hmm. in the interior, uh, Rampart and Tanana is where my grandparents are from. And I actually spent 15 years growing up in rural villages. And one of them was actually a, a very traditional community. Um, that was the last village I, I lived in before I left the state to go to high school in Arizona and then college in New Hampshire. But having, I guess, having the life experience of, you know, growing up in villages definitely helped, has helped me a lot to understand, you know, just the, the landscape and the best communication styles and, you know, ways to kind of just at least get the conversation off on a good foot. Um, and, the, and the other part of my background, which is also very important, is that my dad was a gold miner. And right. today is actually his birthday, so it's kind of special that we're we're having this conversation today. Um, he passed away in 2007, but he's uh, he was you know loved loved running equipment, and you know he worked on several small placer gold mines uh, throughout Interior Alaska. So I grew up also in the summers at gold mining camps as a kid. Uh, doing homeschool in the spring, and I was pretty much the only little girl out there. So, you know, developed a pretty good imagination (laughs) Um, and communication skills because I had to basically interact with adults if I was going to have any friends at all. Um, So, you know, those were really formative years for me. And my dad, of course, had a huge influence on me in my life. And so, you know, having kind of a background, like life experience in both, you know, native communities and in, you know, resource extraction and gold mining specifically, I feel like that, you know, that definitely resonates with people. And I and I can be very authentic in that role of being a liaison or being a bridge between uh, responsible resource development and Alaska native communities. And so that really helps you know, projects that I work on to kind of, you know, get their foot in the door. Um, and I've developed a lot of, I guess, best practices over the last 10 years. Um, but right now, my, you know, I still do state lobbying for my clients, which is, I think is a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I'm able to do both the community relations and state lobbying for clients, which is, is a little bit unique because you don't really have, you know, you don't, you can't usually get both of those, mm-hmm. um, services in, in one person. And so um, I'm very proud of kind of maintaining my, my state lobbying um, services as well. But for the most part, I'm facilitating meetings, I'm leading communi- community relations strategies, writing communications plans. Um, interestingly enough, the Army Corps of Engineers hired me in 2017 to write a statewide Alaska Native Relations plan for them. Oh, wow. So helping them to, to, to do a better job of connecting and building relationships with Alaska Natives and rural rural leadership across the state. Um, so I've been able to do some pretty fun uh, things along the way, but that's kind of the, 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 you know, the core business is really a community relations and, and primarily on economic development and resource development projects. And as of this year, I have worked in every corner of the state. And so I'm um, completely statewide at this point as well. That's fantastic. I saw the map on your website. It's great. And, uh, you know, I think you and I I, I need to update it. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and I share an outlook on resource extraction because, you know, the 
there are a lot of people who their immediate response to mining is, oh no, mining, mining's bad. And, and that's, that's not, that's not the case. And certainly isn't the case for Alaska. I mean, Alaska needs extractive industries. They just need to do a better job. And we've seen some pretty spectacular failures in Alaska, um, mining projects that, that they didn't get on side with the local community. They weren't able to explain themselves and the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars was wasted, went to money heaven because they didn't do a good job of community relations and, and getting the feedback that they need from the community to, that says, okay, we can, we, we can go forward with your project if you do X, Y, and Z. And, and that's kind of been part of your role, right? Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, the, the goal is that, um, you know, as you said, you know, mining is not something that people are very familiar with. And, you know, of, of course, you sort of think of the, the worst examples and historic mining practices. And, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, a, not only a fear of the unknown because you don't really understand, you know, kind of the, the current best practices of mining because, mm-hmm. you know, most people, most people don't just, you know, have that information, um, readily available. And so, you know, you don't really understand it necessarily, but then also, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a pretty bad reputation built from, you know, historic, historic, historic examples and, the way things were done a long time ago. Um, and of course, there's been a lot of changes. And so I think it's, you know, everyone's responsibility to help, you know, kind of re-engage communities and build that awareness of what mining looks like today and how committed, you know, companies are to building those long-term relationships and really being, you know, as with Heliostar, being a, a good, a good neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, what does that, what does that look like? And how do you, um, how do you work closely with the communities and, and build that, you know, build that credibility and open communication? Um, and so, yeah, my, my goal on, in working with projects is really to, you know, help in, in several different areas, but overall, um, it's really to help every, you know, the, the local community and, you know, the project owners, you know, get the best possible outcome, you know, and how, you know, how can they work together to identify opportunities where, you know, the project could have a really major positive impact. Um, and, you know, the communities can help the project to, you know, to make uh, make even better decisions when it comes to, you know, being mindful of the environment that they're operating in. And so, you know, but in order to open, you know, to have that open sharing back and forth, you have to build to that point. You know, right. it's not something that you walk in on day one and you have a really in-depth open conversation. I think just like anything, there's a, there's a period of you know, getting to know each other. There's a period of learning where the companies really have to learn about the communities and the communities also end up, you know, needing to learn a lot about the company and about the approach and their values and how they're going to conduct business in, in this area or on this project. And so, you know, I, I really love, you know, that early stage, you know, helping to make those introductions mm-hmm. and having that consistent and transparent two-way communication is really important right out of the gate. 
you know, right out of the gate, the company should be approaching the communities. And then once you build those relationships, I guess, over the, you know, over the period of several years, and I always tell everyone that it's a, it's a marathon and not a sprint. <laughs> so, you know, relationships take time and, you know, investment on a regular basis. And we, but once you build those relationships, I feel like the opportunities to really get it right and to create and build a project that the communities are going to support and even feel pride in mm-hmm. and some ownership over as well. That's the goal. And I've started, you know, I've seen, I've seen that happen on a few of the projects that I've worked on. And it's a really amazing thing to see. That's got to be really satisfying. It's interesting to me, you know, I, I traveled around Ireland um, and looked at some mining projects there because in Ireland, um, there are zinc mines that are literally within the town limits and they're beautiful. You, you wouldn't even know wow. that there's a zinc mine. It's there, you know, the, the one I'm thinking of um, had a, it had this shaggy berm, you know, covered in grass with goats on it. And the only, the only thing that gave it away as a mine was the head frame. And it was still a, a kind of a, an architecturally designed, attractive head frame. And the town loved their mine because it was a source of income. And it wasn't, it was a completely different outlook. They weren't afraid of the mining company. They weren't afraid they were going to get sick and die. You know, the miners lived in the town. The, the um, executives lived in the town. So it was... It was, as you say, it was a it was a an entity that the community was proud of, and I was I was always blown away because when you come back from that and you come back to the states or you look at uh, some of the the um, less mining friendly jurisdictions where they vilify these projects and as soon as you put a shovel in the ground you're evil. It just it it's so different than what it could be and what it what it is. In, in these places, like in Ireland, where they've embraced it. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, it, it could be so much better. You know, mm-hmm. if we, I honestly think if we focus on the relationship first and foremost, just like anything in life, you know, if you, if you focus on the relationship and do whatever it takes to, you know, build really, meaningful relationships with people with the end game in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. the long game, then I think everyone, if everyone had that viewpoint, then we would all be willing to make more compromises and be more open-minded and really listen to each other and hear each other out. And, you know, as a facilitator, that's really what I try to do is bring as much and just bring as much positivity to the equation as I can. I mean, I guess my mom named me right when she named me Joy because I really, <laughs> really have a very positive outlook and demeanor. And so, you know, I try to bring that positivity into these conversations, which, you know, may help people just, you know, feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more um, open-minded to be able to really, you know, hear each other and, you know, give, give these relationships a chance mm-hmm. to grow. You know, and ultimately the company, and I can't stress enough that the company really does have to be, you know, doing the right things. And, and when it comes to, you know, being a good neighbor, they have to put their money where their, where their mouths are. They have to commit to that and invest in, you know, really being 
um, being a good neighbor and working closely and having that respect, you know, always for the communities and the, and the leadership. And if they're not doing that, then, you know, it, it you know, that's, that's gonna, you know, just, you're not going to build relationships if, if people aren't, you know, aren't really investing in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, when you have a project where the, the company is, is really committed to, you know, working well with the communities and building that respect and, and credibility over time, then you really can see these relationships, you know, just have a complete reverse effect than what we're used to. And, you know, people really wanting to spend time together and get to know each other, you know, and, and then you start to see positive impacts. And, you know, I can't stress enough that, you know, in rural Alaskan communities, there's not a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges to, you know, maintaining our, our way of life and our culture and honestly hope from younger people that they have a place in the world and they have, you know, goals for themselves and something to look forward to and ways to provide for their families in addition to our cultural foundation Mm -hmm. and our traditional hunting and fishing practices. I see a lot of hopelessness in villages across the state because they don't have, you know, they don't have a, a way to provide for their families and they don't see, you know, opportunities for themselves that are close enough to home where they don't have to give up, you know, their, their community port and everything that living in rural Alaska means to us. You know, most people have to make a choice. You either stay home and live a mostly traditional lifestyle without a lot of economic opportunities mm-hmm. or, you leave and probably go to college and end up needing to move to Anchorage or Fairbanks or Juneau uh, for work. And Mm -hmm. so what mining jobs and mining projects do is provide, you know, and also the oil and gas industry on the North Slope, but they provide these rotation employment. Like, so there's jobs that are on a rotation where people can still live in their, their community and then go to work for two weeks or whatever the, the schedule is and then go back home. And so they make a really good salary, but they also are able to be, you know, be located in their, in their home villages. Mm-hmm. And some of these projects are actually pretty close. And so the commute back and forth between the project and their home community is, is actually relatively close. Um, so that makes it, makes it a lot easier as well. And, you know, Alaska natives make up 20, roughly 20% of the state population. And so I think that's sort of a different angle because, you know, the, the amount of influence and muscle we have in Alaska, as far as Alaska Natives go, economically and politically is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, ups, that ups the ante even more for projects to really do it right. Because if, if they don't and the communities, you know, aren't supportive, then, you know, there's going to be a, a pretty major pushback that, as we've seen, can definitely kill a project. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, this is, it's it's so important, I think, because as we said, you know, a lot of times mining companies, uh, certainly when they're operating in the States, um, are already starting out behind. 
<laughs> you know, as soon as they show up, they're yeah. behind. And so, you know, being able to get a community on side um, and we've seen right from the very start of these projects, you know, building camp all the way through exploration, all the way through building the mine, all the way through mining. There are opportunities, uh, economic opportunities for the community right out of the gate if the community and the and the companies are are talking if they're in communication, right? Yep, absolutely. And and you don't, I mean, this is, this is the biggest thing in life. You don't know what you don't know, and you may not even see what the barriers are to your success if you're not actively exploring that mm -hmm. and talking mm -hmm. to people and trying to understand the landscape of where you're operating. And so an example is, you know, we had one project that I worked on, and this is a pretty good example of, a, you know, a, a company that really, I felt, did it right. And, and a part of how things are changing in a positive way is that I see community or, sorry, companies being more creative and more open-minded in their community relations programs. And so for this example, I joined a project a few years after it had gotten started it was a gold exploration project. And at one point, the companies had decided there was two, it was a joint venture, but they had decided to uh, do a, a scholarship program. Mm -hmm. And in this particular village, they, you know, they advertised it, you know, they, they thought they did a decent job of advertising it to the tribal government and to the, you know, to the residents, and not a single person applied. And so they thought, well, I guess no one's interested. So we're just going to, you know, not try that again. And so when I joined the project, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I heard that. And, you know, just knowing from my own life and my own experiences that some communities have a very high dropout rate from high school. Mm -hmm. And so my first thought was, well, you know, maybe there's not enough high school graduates to pursue higher education and go to college. And so I, you know, basically decided to, I asked the company if they were okay with me kind of, you know, reopening that um, a little bit and finding out what the, what the issue was and how we, you know, how we can, you know, kind of get a better, get a better education support program going that really is meeting the community where they are mm -hmm. and not just our, our best idea. And so we held an education summit. And, you know, it was just kind of a fun night. The community showed up. We had, um, like, speakers from around the region and, and the project talking about their own educational experiences. I shared my crazy stories of getting expelled <laughs> from high school when I was in the ninth grade. Um, just to kind of share that, you know, we've all had our ups and downs mm -hmm. with education. You know, there's no one size fits all. We all have our own path to get to where we want to be. And so that was kind of a, an inspirational part of it. And then, you know, I kind of led the community in a conversation and tried to gauge, you know, what, what, is, what would be the most meaningful educational opportunity here. And what I found out, which was kind of what I expected, was that they hadn't had a, call, a high school graduate in about eight to 10 years. Holy smokes. And so their dropout rate was extremely high. And so who is going to sign up for a, a scholarship to go to college if you haven't graduated from high school yet? 
And so I got this information and I, I gauged where, and honestly, you know, both of my older brothers had dropped out in the 10th grade. And so this is not something that I'm, you know, unfamiliar with. And one of them got their GED and one didn't. Um, and so I'm very familiar with, you know, just the, the path of education in rural Alaska is sometimes not a straight line. Mm-hmm. And I, mine wasn't a straight line either. I almost dropped out in the ninth grade, actually, but I was able to get back on track. And so, you know, learning what I did, I went back to the company and I said, you know, I think we should actually sponsor a GED program. That's awesome. And this was a company based in Denver, Colorado, and mm-hmm. they had, you know, they've got projects all over the world. It's a really, you know, um, high level company. And I was talking to their vice president of operations, who is the person that I worked very closely with. And uh, it was amazing. He, he gave me his full support right out of the gate. And, you know, he, you know, consider why I was coming up with that recommendation. And, you know, they had never done anything like that before anywhere in the world. Mm. And he said, go for it. And so I started working and, and building partnerships. It was, you know, it's great because when you're genuinely trying to do good things in a community, there's actually a lot of other organizations and entities that are also, they have the same mission. Mm-hmm. And so if you align yourself with these other organizations, then the companies really don't have to do all of the heavy lifting at the end of the day. And so I connected with an organization that was uh, basically their whole mission was to, you know, do, um, you know, exactly what we were trying to do is, is get people their GEDs. And they had been struggling to build inroads with rural communities. And so we did them a big favor by helping um, to get them out to the yeah. village. And on the first day of doing the initial placement testing, I think in a village of about a hundred people, like 12 people showed up Wow! and it was amazing. That's Even fantastic. an elder who was probably in his sixties showed up to take the, the placement test. And so that example is really kind of, you know, shows that thinking outside the box and, you know, but, but without those conversations, we could have just thought no one is interested in, in any, in any education. Right. But that wasn't the case. They were extremely interested. And when we did that first placement test, a young woman who was a mother and had dropped out of high school, she literally had tears in her eyes because she was so thankful for this opportunity. Mm. And so we just, we just had to have those conversations and find out what was, you know, what was going to be the most impactful approach and what they needed and what they, what they wanted to, you know, have. Uh, locally supported and locally sponsored programs. And so, you know, but, but like back to your question, without asking, without learning, really learning about them and putting our goals and expressing, you know, what our hopes were for, for working with the community and really meaning that, that, you know, we wouldn't have even learned that that was the case, so yeah. that we needed to do the GED instead. So, um, so that's just an example though, but yeah, you have to have those conversations and, you know, you might not even, you might be surprised where you end up in terms of what's the best strategy and approach is going to be with each community because every community is different and, you know, you really just have to get to know them and, and then build it from there. I, that's a great example. 
Well, you made it all the way to the end. That was part one of my interview with Joey Huntington. You can click on part two to listen to the rest of this interview. Uh, I enjoyed Joey so much that we just recorded way too much material for a single podcast. Hey, and make sure that you sign up for The Grove. That way, we'll let you know anytime we have new content coming down the pipe. With that, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening.